pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 235. Today I'm going to chat with Daniel Compton from Federal Premium, discuss calls for gun control in the State of the Union address, highlight the new JR-15 from We Won Tactical, and talk about the swindling of the Tinder swindler. I am your host, Ava Flanell, and Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm good, Ava. How are you? I am doing well, although yesterday in Colorado was great, and today the weather, it's like, I don't know if you're in Minnesota, right? I am, yeah. So I don't know if the weather's as bipolar, if it just stays cold. I'd imagine like when I think of Minnesota in the winter, I just imagine like all this snow 24-7 until the summer comes. Sure, yeah. It Like on the year, it is bipolar for sure. Because <laughs> like, from summer to winter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get like right now, I'm looking at, we got some snow melting. It's a little cool. So I, I don't know, it's low 30s. And so that's kind of a party at this time of the year. Yeah. But it's been a cold, it's been a cold year for, for sure for us. Yeah, I'm just ready for some sun. Hopefully, I don't know, spring can't come soon enough. All right, before we get into it, so Smith and Wesson. If you guys are looking for a good 22 target pistol, definitely check out the SW22 Victory from Smith and Wesson. They're designed specifically for a competition shooting with a heavy fluted barrel for accuracy and threaded for, you know, if you wanted to put like a compensator on there, they're available from the performance center. So they've tuned for extra accuracy and you can even order it with carbon fiber barrels and a red dot. They also come with fiber optic sights and super comfortable hive grips with target thumb reset. If you want to check those out, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Dan, we've met before. It was actually at SHOT Show, right? We had dinner together. Well, yes, with we a did. bunch of other people. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. And it's SHOT Show, though. I mean, it's like you're just like, go, go, go. And... I'm like, I don't even remember what we talked about at dinner, <laughs> but it also was like really hard to hear as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a loud place. And, you know, you always, you always hear the shot show greeting, you know, we all got to like shake hands and like lean into each other's face while we all talk because yeah. we're all gun industry people. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. But I do remember kind of asking everyone at the table, like sort of what their background was. And if I remember correctly, you had an interesting background, like you weren't in the gun industry from the beginning, right? No, well, I, I, I'm from Minnesota, born and raised, and I grew up, my, my main kind of interesting thing is my parents bought a fishing lodge in Canada when I was about seven years old. So from the age of seven till 24, I worked for my father at his fishing lodge and I was a fishing guide in the summertime. So that was kind of a cool way to grow up. I was like, oh, that had to be awesome. It was great. And it was, but in a, at the same time, like I kind of wanted to be at home playing baseball with all my buddies, you uh-huh. know, but but going, you know, I realized what it did for me is like learning the tourism industry, you know, guiding, meeting different people every week. I, I like to think I can hold a conversation or keep a conversation going with just about anybody because I've spent countless hours in boats trying to figure out how to do it, and keep <laughs> right? people entertained. So, but yeah, I, I kind of came to the industry through a, a winding path. I, I was a real estate agent for a while and I applied at a sportsman's warehouse retail store. 
And I just wanted kind of a discount in the fishing department. And lo and behold, it turned into a, a, a salaried position there. And that store happened to be right across the road from Federal in Anoka, Minnesota. And so I kind of bumped elbows with people over the years. And finally, I guess um, somebody took pity on me and uh, gave me an interview. And I've been there for 12 years now. It's been fantastic. Nice. And what is your position at Federal? So I'm a product line manager. So that's a marketing position. And I cover um, shot shell, rimfire, and muzzleloading products for federal CCI and Spear. Those are, you know, some people know, but we do have sister sister companies as well. Nice. It's actually interesting that you mentioned fishing because I was just talking to somebody on Instagram today. I actually met her at a federal event when I went to Minnesota and she was, well, we can't really talk about it, but it was something that was going to launch and you guys brought in a few people to test fire and just kind of to get their opinions. And she added me on Instagram and I became friends with her and she's always posting a bunch of like fishing pictures. And she commented on my, I don't know, on my story or something. And so I looked at her, her, at her profile and I was like, she has like, like she caught like a really big fish. And I'm like, are all these fish that you caught in Minnesota? Cause you would typically think, I don't know, for some reason I'm like, you know, when you think big fish, you think like, Oh, like, Florida or, you know, over by like maybe California or something. And the fish are like really impressive size. And then I asked her if she's ever gone ice fishing, which I'm dying to do. But I imagine like being, you know, previously like in the fish industry, you probably saw all kinds of really great catches. Yeah. Minnesota is kind of a, a gem for that in a way. And then me, you know, fish Canada is kind of like the Mecca. Um, you know, you, you can catch good fish in Minnesota, but you can go to Canada, you'll catch a bigger volume of good fish, but yeah, ice fishing is is great. I went to college in Northern Minnesota in a place called Bemidji state. And we actually, there's not enough parking on the streets or on campus itself for when the weather's warm. So all the students, once the ice is thick enough, we drive across the lake and park on the, the lake and then walk to class. Wow. And a lot of people are really blown away by that. And then we would set up like little fish camps and then, you know, you'd go to class, leave all your stuff there. Your buddies would watch it. You'd finish class. You'd go back up, put your bibs back on and keep fishing. So Dang. It's, a, it's definitely a different way of life. There's, there's some truth to that grumpy old man movie. Right. Wow. That's incredible. <clears throat> all right. So switching back to federal with all the new ammo lines federal is working on as well as like expanding production for existing calibers. How much have you guys had to expand for the new production equipment? We've grown quite a bit at, at federal. The footprint of the building itself um, is kind of set and it's, I can't even remember how many, I think we have 300,000 square feet. It might even be bigger than that. Um, but we sit on 80 acres in uh, Noka, Minnesota, but we can't expand it. So we get, we have to get, we got to get better at uh, aligning things. So a lot of the equipment you'll see bring in is like, what used to be office space, now that office space has been moved elsewhere and now it's turned into manufacturing equipment. And there's been a big focus on, you know, we'll call it like single piece flow where, you know, you're making brass at one area and that brass should be right adjacent to the loading machine that it's feeding so that we don't have to haul it real far to get it there and just, you know, try to pick, get more uptime mm -hmm. in ways like that. It's pretty amazing that you'll, you know, you'll go in one day and you're walking down the main aisle and you'll see this machine that is like, as big as two cars sitting on top of each other, just cranking away. And you come back a week later and that machine is gone and it's been moved all the way across the facility to another spot and it's just cranking away. And it's like, they just moved thousands of pounds of equipment, got all the hydraulics and electrical back up and it doesn't miss a beat. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive what the team can do. And so you said that you can't expand on the building. Is that because of building permits? 
Yeah, I think just our footprint is as big as the the city will allow us, if, wow. if I'm understanding right. I know we are working on a, a warehouse space, and I think that that could be something because we're dealing with energetics. You know, we got explosives and and we're you know gunpowder and, and priming compounds are very volatile, so there might be something to that. Uh-huh. But you know, they're just well, our footprint's only going to get only going to get so big for true production space, and that's at least in Minnesota. At some of our other plants, um, like CCI Spear. There's some room to grow there um, if we choose. And we built a whole new facility over the last 10 years so we can make rimfire at two spots in the town. And then Remington as well. I think it mainly, you know, a lot of people know what we bought Remington, Vista Outdoor bought Remington last year. And then a lot of that is just trying to bringing them back up to speed. Mm-hmm. And that is mainly headcount, you know, just getting a lot of employees back into the building. But there is some modernization that that's going on too. So. It's kind of, you know, we're, we're doing our best to make more and there's no like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, just build more primers and, and to build a primer line is probably two years and, you know, $30 million, you know, to expand that. So it can't just happen overnight. And I know that, that people can be frustrated when they can't find the shelves they're looking for, but yeah. we're doing our best to expand and grow where we can. Well, also, so one thing that I've like constantly have told people when they're just like, well, why can't they just get more equipment and, you know, just expand and from my knowledge, you guys did expand, what was it, just a few years ago. Because so if you've been in the firearms industry long enough, you've seen there's peaks and valleys and nothing lasts forever. Like this ammo shortage is not going to last. People think that it is, but we've had ammo shortages before. I think even was it in 2012 or 13? I just remember I couldn't find 22 anywhere. Yeah. It was so. I started working for Federal in 2009. I was working at um, Sportsman's Warehouse in 2008 when uh, President Obama was elected, and that was the first run on mm-hmm. guns and ammo that we had kind of experienced. It's really it's happened several times. So if you go back um, with the assault rifle ban in 1992, there was a huge run on on guns and ammo, and then Y2K freaked everybody out. Yeah, and they started stocking up, and then you know it's kind of like every 10 years something seems to to trigger it, but yeah, so it was Obama when he got elected, and after the Sandy Hook shooting, things went went off the charts, and we thought we would never see the likes of something like that again. So we expanded tremendously, then invested heavily, hired a lot of people, and we were cranking out ammo like crazy. And then when President Trump was elected, you have a Republican president with you know basically Republican control of all Congress. Fear of gun legislation goes down, and people think, "Oh, we're good," mm-hmm. and then they. They don't, you know, the urgency to go out and fill my basement up is kind of gone. Exactly. And then as a result, I would imagine then you guys are like, cool, but we still have to pay off like millions of dollars worth of product that we just bought to increase. We have to keep all of these people employed, which is going to be hard to do. I think that a lot of people learn their lesson from previous years, like, you know, from experiencing this. And like I said, it's people also don't realize that it's not just like an overnight fix. Yeah, for sure. And we, you know, we were cranking at, at all levels and then, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's hard to hit the brakes on a big monster when it's, you know, when it's going full bore. So when things started to slow down, then we had to restructure, we had to get smarter. Or I shouldn't say restructure. We, we needed to just rethink our business plan, but, but we had to let a lot of people go and, you know, that's hard to do. So when you do come in, you are a little more cautious. And when COVID first came around and people started buying and, you know, I think that we were, we were thinking, well, this will last a few months and then we'll kind of temper off. And after about nine or six months, you realize this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So 
you know, we've hired about as many people as we can keep working on the machines that we have. And so we're cranking at a, at a pretty good rate without building another whole factory, you mm-hmm. know, um, which is just not a realistic ask for us to do at this time. Um, there's, there's not a lot many more levers that we can pull. I mean, we scour the earth for components. We, we've got a great supply chain coming in. We have to be kind of nimble and able to kind of adjust on the fly because yeah. you're, you have a plan this week and then all of a sudden you hear next week, you know, you'll hear about all oh, this this container of steel that was supposed to go to our steel vendor to make strip is stuck in the port. So we got to get this this plated steel versus that, which means we can run this product instead of that. And, you know, we're always just having to be, be nimble. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Well, I'm also hoping that, you know, with you guys acquiring Remington, which I personally wasn't a fan of their ammo previously, but when I heard that you guys were acquiring it, I was like, Oh yes, because now, you know, with you guys and all your, like with your expertise, you know, just attention to detail and putting out quality stuff. I'm like, okay, then that ammo is going to definitely, it's going to be better. I'm also hoping that that helps as well. Once you guys, you know, get the Remington factory up to speed. Yeah, it's good. And we, we talk about like, you know, they're, they're your bitter enemies, you know, forever. Yeah. Now we're, and now we're friends, but they're, you know, they were in a kind of unfortunate situation. They had an ownership group that really could have cared less about you know, what they're cranking out as long as they made the numbers and mm-hmm. there was just no investment back into the company and that just downward spiraled them into bankruptcy. So as it sit, it was, it was good that a company like, like Vista could come in and, and buy them because we were up and running. We had, we had money to invest and in, and we know, you know, we're in the ammo business. And if somebody else would have come in and have to try to revitalize or bring them up to where they needed to be, I think that turnaround time would have been much, much longer. So it's, so it's gone well. And there's a lot of good people working down there to, to do their best. They got a ways to go, but they're, but they are doing good. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're learning things from them and, and they're able to learn from us. So it goes both ways. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about primary arms. Primary Arms has their brand new SLX 3X micro prism with the ACSS Raptor for 7.62 and 300 blackout or the 5.56-308 available for pre-order right now. They actually have quite a few optics for pre-order. These are the same design as the ultra popular, like the 1X micro prism that they came out with last year, but with the 3X magnification. So they give you the same great versatility for close range, but a higher magnification for distance shooting. While they are a prism so that you have the reticle, even if the battery dies, they also have auto live. So the battery life is awesome. You can pre-order these for $299.99. I always say when they put the 99s at the end, it's like, $299.99. So basically $300. Don't forget to use the code AVA. That's A-V-A. And you're going to get a free one-piece scope mount with every Primary Arms optic that you purchase. And that is at primaryarms.com. Let's talk about the new punch ammo that you guys came out with, the 22. I was really excited when I saw this, especially as a firearms instructor, because I get a lot of people that, you know, especially when you first learn, typically you learn on a 22 and they just want to continue to take that with them wherever they go. And they're like, well, I want to use this for self-defense. And you're like, well, I mean, it's better than nothing, but like, maybe we can upgrade you. But this new ammo, the punch ammo, it actually seems very promising. It feels like a much needed niche. Yeah. As a former firearms instructor, I saw what you saw Mm -hmm. as well. You know, people come in and they either start with 
with 22s, but you know, when I was taught, I remember one of my, the guy who instructed me on becoming an instructor, he said, I tell people to carry the cartridge and gun combo with as much power as they can handle and consistently put shots on target. So like a 44 mag doesn't do you anything if you can't hit them. Yeah. Right. And so if you can steadily shoot a 22, so I talked about this, we'd had an internal discussions about it. We know people are carrying 22s or like, so are they using really the best rounds? You know, mm-hmm. like, are they getting the most out of what they have? So we started testing what we had for ballistics and whatnot. And, you know, the penetration is penetrations, everything, you know, if we follow the FBI protocol guidelines on everything. So minimum of 12 inches, which you're always looking for and calibrated ballistic gel. Mm-hmm. And so we'd see four, we'd see eight, you know, it's kind of dependent on the bullet. And then I remember talking to some of the team and we're like, well, what if, you know, if we did a 22 personal defense around, what, what do you think people would think of that? And this was, it was probably five years that we talked about it. I'd meet with our dealer council, you know, a group of our good dealers and we bounce ideas off them. And I'm like, are people going to think we're crazy? You know, if we do this, are we idiots? You know, mm-hmm. type deal. <laughs> and uh, ultimately we decided on, and I said, let's, let's make something that can achieve something. And so let's look at penetration. Can we hit 12 inches of penetration every time? And the round that we designed does that. And we did kind of forego expansion by doing that. But I thought that if you got a bullet that can hit that level, then you're, you can hit the vitals every time. And that's good. And if somebody needs to carry a 22 long rifle, whether it's, you know, for arthritis or bad shoulders or just recoil sensitive, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they have the option to do it. And I've always tried to be consistent and like, we're not telling people to throw their nine millimeter away you yeah. know, and go buy a, and go buy a Smith and Wesson 22 to carry every day. But, um, if that's your choice, we wanted to, to give you something that was going to achieve your goal, which is ultimately stop the threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what about reliability? Mm-hmm. Because that was another thing. So 22, it was like, well, I don't know. Can you stop somebody? I mean, I always thought like, I'm sure you've heard this before, but like they say 22 is actually like the most deadliest round. Like it's taken more lives than anything. Yeah. I I would say talk to any police officer or EMT. Yeah. Like how many people get shot with a 22 long rifle? Yeah. That ends up being fatal. And now it's like anything. It always comes down to shot placement, but it's more than, you know, there's more than enough in that little bullet to, to be lethal. And when you say reliability to me, that's two things, you know, that's, you know, is it going to, is it going to do enough terminal damage, you know, to stop the threat? And then secondly, is it, is it going to be reliable enough to cycle? Yeah. Know, which time? Two, 22s can be a little persnickety. So absolutely. And, uh, and that was so. like my biggest thing is like, anytime you have, let's say you have a magazine, 10 rounds. I mean, two out of the 10 rounds is typically going to misfire. Like they're just notorious for misfires. And so I think that's what would always like, you know, I would try to steer my students away from it just because that's typically what you would find with a lot of rimfire cartridges is they are notorious for misfire. So I'm like, okay, how did you guys work your way around that Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's definitely more reliable than what you would typically see with most ammo on the market? So there's, there's how 22s are primed. It's, it's, it all comes down to how the case gets primed Mm -hmm. and there's a, it's a, it's a, in a way it's a very manual. Um, and it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it, but there's a bunch of 22 compound that's kind of scraped over a screen. And then the, the 22 cases come underneath in a, in a tray underneath it. That screen is then flipped over and like slapped down, you know, and it stops. And then all of the 22 compound fires down into the cases. And then after that, it goes to a machine which spins it and then puts it out into the rim. So your quality control on that spinning into the rim is, is essential. 
And the best way to capture that is just constant auditing. You have to audit your lots. You do a function testing. So we do about double the function testing on the lots that we do anything for this personal defense realm than we do for anything else. And that's the, the one way we try to ensure that there's going to be going to be better reliability. And it's, yeah. you know, it's ammo. And then, you know, I'm an ammo guy. So, you know, it's like, well, the gun companies, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, there's things you can do, like keep your magazines clean. You know, that's a big thing, um, mm-hmm. especially carry guns. You know, they get lint built up in them or, or whatever. And I think a lot of people clean their guns, but I don't know if they worry so much about their, you know, drop in the bottom, pull the spring out, give it a wipe and, and then put it back together. Yeah. So I'm still kind of stuck on the whole. So you have this machine that spins the compound out into the rim fire. I actually mm-hmm. always wondered. So when when I was at the federal factory, they were like, OK, well, we don't have a lot of time to like tour you through everything. So like, what do you want to see? And me, you know, being that like a pistol was the first gun that I shot. I'm like, oh, I want to see centerfire. And really, I shouldn't even have, you know, I think centerfire is probably like the least like everyone's like, well, shotgun's really cool to see. Or, you know, I'd imagine like rimfire, too, because I had no idea that that's actually how it's made. And I always had like my own, you know, theory about like why rimfire was, you know, typically it would misfire because if you've ever, let's say you shoot a 22 long rifle, it doesn't go off. And then you pick it up or you eject it and you pick it up and then you twist it a different way, you know, and the firing pin hits the outer rim in a different area and then it goes off. So it's almost like, well, it just didn't have that compound on the outer rim where the firing pin hit it. Yeah. If you don't get good coverage or concentricity on the bottom, that's a big thing. Uh-huh. And then the the second part of it is rimfire cases are, are just really the tolerance on the hardness has to be just right, you know, of the brass. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if it's not, if it's too hard, then it's not going to crinkle on, you know, you know, for lack of a better ter- uh, technical term, it's not going to crunch enough when that firing pin hits it, which isn't going to set the primer compound off. So it's, you know, it's a 150, 200 year old technology, you know, it's been, yeah. it's one of the first, one of the first cartridges out there. So we, we do our best to, to make it as good as it can possibly be, but it's, it's an art. I mean, it's definitely, you know, there's a science to it, but there's an art to making good rim fire. And then also, so the new punch has a 29 grain nickel plated solid lead bullet. Why is it solid lead instead of hollow point? So uh, when we started testing, you know, uh, terminal ballistics is some is always going to be a relationship. But as, as a bullet expands, is going to have a factor on how much resistance it meets as it's going through the target. And if it gets wider and wider, it's not going to penetrate as much. Mm-hmm. And you can think like if we over punch, like let's say we took an HST bullet and we punched it about twice as deep as it was, those pedals are going to get twice as wide, which means it's dragging and it's going to slow down. It's like almost like a parachute, you know? Mm, okay. So we went with, uh, we looked at other bullet designs that we had within, like, if you look at our, our trophy bonded sledgehammer lineup and our safari lineup, it's got this blunt nose profile on it, solid brass bullet that's designed to shoot a Cape Buffalo through both shoulders and break it you know, and put them mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. So we actually used a similar profile design as that, that blunt nose tip. And we went with 29 grains. Cause if you, if we went heavier, like if we went with 40, we wanted, we knew that we would need speed and we need fast powders to get this thing going through real short barrels. But if we had a 40 grain bullet, then we're going to peak pressure too fast. So we had to go a lighter bullet to get the speed out of it. And by going with the blunt tip that gave us that 12 inches of penetration goal that we were looking for every time. So when we were, you know, part of my job is to work with the engineers and set the requirement. I said, penetration is everything and I'll give up expansion and get it. 
Mm-hmm. And the reason expansion is good is because that's like, you know, that's literally the hole that you're cutting through the target. So the bigger the hole, the better when you're trying to just stop a bad guy. Yeah. But if you're making that hole longer, like by the penetration and you're getting into the vitals where you need to be, that seemed to be the utmost importance. And so that was kind of the the sweet spot that we, that we went for. And I've seen this, this might be the most YouTube reviewed product we've ever made. Hmm. And um, it's really cool to see people shoot it. And a lot of people shoot it against like CCI stingers and velocitors are a common comparison. Yeah. And it's because they're going fast, but usually this or this typically outperforms it in terms of penetration because that bullet doesn't expand. Interesting. Yeah. So my go-to 22 ammo was always <laughs> CCI, like the high velocity, like any, really any, any CCI was always like, that was like the most reliable 22. Mm-hmm. How are people, I'm interested, like, how are people testing it out? Like, are they using some sort of like ballistic dummy or the gel? Cause I've also heard like mixed things about the gel as well. Yeah. A lot of clear gel. You'll see a lot of clear gel, okay. um, but you'll get anything from people who, you know, take a, a wet paper, you know, well, phone books used to be a lot easier to find, but uh, wet magazines, you know, they'll shoot them into that buckets of water you need, you know, for a bullet to expand, you need what's called hydraulic pressure. So you need that liquid to, uh, to open it up. So it's, we kind of, you know, cringe when you see people shoot bullets into like a gravel pile yeah, and then they'll pull them out and the bullet doesn't open up and they say it fails. And it's like, well, your bullet's not designed to expand through dirt. It's designed to expand through a soft target. You yeah. Know? So, but you know, that's on our, that's on us to, to inform. So yeah, a lot of people shoot clear ballistics gelatin and you know, it's a good medium for that. Cause if you're going to use calibrated FBI gelatin, it's a, it's a biological material. It's, it's essentially the same stuff. Like when you cook the chicken and you got the gooey stuff in the bottom after it cools, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically that, hmm. um, mixed to a certain consistency. And so we, I can't remember the temperature, but perfectly calibrated. You shoot it at a BB gun at 500 feet per second or 400 feet per second. And the BB goes four inches inside it. And then, you know, you're at the right temperature to give you consistent results. And so that's what we always use. Cause that's what the FBI has deemed to be the closest thing to, you know, human tissue that you could find. Interesting. And so clear ballistics, um, they, they claim it's calibrated and it's very consistent for the medium, you know, and I'm not trying to throw rocks at them, but what we found is that we, you, if you shoot the gel that we shoot every day that we've been shooting forever and shoot theirs, you get a little different results. So we'll use theirs for, um, like presentation pieces, like a shot, you know, Mm -hmm. to show an expanded bullet, but we don't use it as our, for our internal testing. Gotcha. Okay. And then why did you guys decide to go with nickel plated? Is it just like to keep the <clears throat> lead encased or is it to keep the lead together to better, yeah. like for better penetration? Nickel does add some, it helps with corrosion. So over time, you know, it'll keep your, um, we nickel plate all, almost all of our personal defense rounds and guns, you know, in sweaty pockets and stuff are going to feel more moisture than not. So that's, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Nickel does have a little bit more lubricity. So if you're talking about an, a bullet coming up to hit a feed ramp, you know, that should help it guide in a little more too. And then some of its looks, you know, we, it has a unique head stamp for any other rimfire that we've ever done uh, with just our shockwave on the back. And we wanted to be like these all silver ones. That's what you need if you're going to be carrying in your gun. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I actually didn't know anything. I didn't realize that it had a little bit more of like a lubricant, uh, lubricant. Uh, okay. Me trying to say lubricant. Lubricity. Yes. <laughs> Lubricity. <laughs> Uh, it's one of those days. Yeah. So I had no idea that it had that. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, is it just less porous? That might be it. Yeah. I don't know the technical reason we've, we've always, you know, marketed as nickel plating for extraction, you know, it helps with extraction, pulling out of the gun. 
and yeah, I've heard that reloaders aren't, aren't as, as big of a fan for it. And I don't know why, but hmm. we put it on almost all our, almost all our personal defense rounds. Okay. And then, so the 22 version has a velocity of over 1,070 feet per second out of a two inch barrel, yeah. which is pretty amazing. Obviously it becomes a little bit faster the longer the barrel, but did you guys have to formulate like a special powder with a faster burn rate to achieve that? Um, there is powders that we use, you know, and to give people like a reference, that's like going 1650 out of a, out of a rifle. So that, that's like screaming, you know, a stinger's yeah. around 1600. So it's really moving. It's mainly the priming compound though. You know, it's, it's the blend of the two. So there's about two times the primer mix in a fast load like that, which makes it real on our side, you know, to, to hold that tolerance is tough. And, um, and they take about twice as long. Uh, the priming compound goes in a case wet and we work with it wet because as soon as it gets dry, that's like, you know, you're just hitting it on the edge of a, and the case will make it go off. So you need like, you know, it, it needs energy to detonate, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's wet, you're good to go. So in a rimfire case, we have to, we load it and then it goes into a drying room, dries out. Then we bring them to the loader and put the powder in, in the bullet. And, and it takes about twice as long to uh, produce them because it dries twice as long due to that greater uh, primer compound. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to take another quick break, talk about IWI. If you guys are looking for a good AR right now, you should check out the Zion 15. It's the first M4 variant from IWI made right here in the U.S., the rifle version has a 16-inch 4150 chrome molly barrel chambered in 5.56 with a mid-length gas system. They come equipped with a 15-inch free-flow M-lock handguard for attaching all of your favorite accessories. The grip and stock are from B5 Systems. They're known for being rugged, lightweight, comfortable. Check these out at IWI.us. And remember, when you're there and if you find any accessories, I think they actually just recently posted uh alg triggers that um haven't been posted in a while so they're always like every now and then you'll find some like really good stuff that you typically wouldn't see otherwise available really anywhere on the internet but check it out iwi.us remember to use the code gunfunny15 that's all one word for 15 percent off any of those accessories how long does it take to make a typical rimfire cartridge? I know you said depending on whether you're making like the punch or just regular, you know, just range ammo, but just kind of walk me through, I mean, from start to finish, how long does it take to make like a, a typical rimfire cartridge? Sure. So at, you know, we have various companies. So at Federal, it takes in about a day, like if you were going to make Start from finish, you mm-hmm. know, case, bullet, everything from scratch. Start from finish. You could do like one round in a day. Now we're doing, you know, millions of rounds in a day. But if you had all your components ready to go and you feed your, um, you feed your case, we'll go through our priming. Like they, it gets put in its tray. It goes through the priming room, comes back out, runs underneath a dryer. So federal does a little different than CCI. And then it goes through the powder gets put in it. The bullets are put in, they're crimped down, um, lubed, and then spit out the spit out the other side. That wow. cycles probably about eight minutes, I guess. I don't know exactly. I'm just going by looking at it. I'm sure the the ops guys could tell me right off the bat. But yeah. So, you know, it because it, it's a really long kind of snaky line. And the line is is as long as it is because it has to go through the dryer a certain amount of time. 
Um, at CCI and Spear, they make all the cases, they prime them, and then they send them to a drying room and then they pull them as they need them. So it's a little, it's kind of a little different operation. Interesting. And why is that, that you guys do it differently? You know, if two separate factories and just two different companies came at it and from different directions, um, federal was making rimfire ammunition first. Yeah. And uh, the CCI spear and there was Dick and Vernon spear were brothers and I'm going to screw this up, but I think it was Dick spear um, wanted to make, he was a reloader and then he started making bullets or they were making bullets, but he wanted to make ammunition and couldn't get enough primers. He couldn't get primers from Remington and Winchester and federal. So he was crazy enough to figure it out himself. And when you're, if you can prime primers, if you can prime primer cups, you can prime 22 long rifle. So they, they kind of go, go hand in hand. And there's just like, you know, we have Sammy that we use as our industry guidelines for setting the specs on ammo dimensions and cases mm -hmm. and, you know, chambers for rifles. And however you get to that external dimension and hit the pressure is just so be it. So like, you can't take a CCI case, bring it to federal, throw it on our line and load it. You won't get the same ballistics or it might not even work. And we can't go the other way. And, uh, and I've even felt, heard that at Remington now, you know, we're not just plug and play. We all kind of do things a, a slightly different with the same result at the, at the outside end. So. Hmm. That's yeah. That's so interesting. Actually, I, I didn't know that either. I got to ask then like is center fire kind of the same, like is every company kind of different, like doing it differently? Um, internal dimensions, there may be a slight variations, but you know, and when I'm saying variations, it, you know, it's pretty minute, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but there, there is differences in like how somebody might make a case versus one style of machine versus a different mm -hmm. is going to produce like a case of different hardness potentially. And so your ballistics might be a little different than that, or there might not be as much primer pocket forgiveness or, you know, there, there's subtleties like that. So everything's pretty close, but you know, just like, there's just, it kind of just shows there's multiple ways to, to do things. And as long as the, as long as, you know, as the shooter is getting the accuracy and the, the velocity out the other side, you yeah. know, that's the most important thing. So that's all right. I must have a guest. Sorry, I was just going to say, I was like, do I hear a dog in the background? You guys have dogs yeah, do. at the factory? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm at home office. Too. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> okay. Let's go kind of into the hunting realm just a little bit. Would you say, you know, now that you guys came out with the punch, would you say that this is ideal for hunting or you would recommend something completely different? It kind of depends on what kind of hunting you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking for uh, something that if you're a small game hunter and you like subsistence hunter, like you're shooting squirrels or uh, rabbits, you know, if you're going to shoot a bullet that doesn't expand is more than likely going to do less damage to the material of that small animal. It's going to punch through it mm -hmm. because it's not going to have a chance to expand. And so you're just going to get more of a, a wound track versus like this bomb that goes off. If you have like an expanding bullet or, or like a, a stinger that expands is going to do way more damage on a, on a rabbit up close than like, say this punch bullet. Mm -hmm. So if you're a subsistence feeder and you're looking for damage, you know, non wound damage, lead round nose bullets or a bullet like this would work pretty well for that. Um, this is going to have a lot of high energy, you know, so you may get that's that, you know, explosive effect. Mm -hmm. Um, so that I would come, maybe recommend other products in our lineup. Like, you know, if you're like our federal 510, just our basic, um, lead solid, but we have, uh, we're known like the federal champion, the bulk packs that you buy kind of all over 36 grain hollow point. That's probably one of our most popular hunting rounds that, that mm. we make. Yeah. That makes sense. And then what is the price point for the punch round? So punch right now are 1099 at MSRP. 
So that's that's full retail. Um, we sell it across the country. We have retail partners everywhere. We've shipped this to just about all of them. They've all claimed that it's sold really well. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. If you can't find it, you know, anywhere near you, um, it is available. I checked right before we got on. We do have some available on our website right now. So nice. And that is for 50 rounds, right? 50 rounds. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys came out with this. I think it definitely filled a niche market. And like I said, it's, it's just one of those things, like if you, any instructors out there, you know, I mean, we've all had the people that just physically can't shoot anything larger than a 22 and, you know, and I'm not going to tell them like, nope, then you shouldn't carry a gun at all because I do think a 22 is better than no gun. And now that you guys have this ammo out, which like you said previously, it doesn't mean everybody should ditch their nine millimeters and, you know, now start carrying 22s. But if you're fixed on carrying a 22, like this is definitely a great niche that you guys filled for it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure you've seen, you know, the, the same thing I saw when I was instructing too, especially new shooters, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're usually surprised at the amount of gun they can handle. You know, yeah. like if you give them a nine or, you know, even up to a 40 or 45, you know, they'll, they're, they're like, Oh, wow. I never thought I could do that. But with some people, it's just, you know, this is their choice and that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We just wanted to help. We wanted to help make it possible. And, you know, by putting personal defense on it, if you're a new gun buyer going to the store, you know, hopefully we're making that decision easy, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and we're trying to educate the retailers too, you know, here's the gun they're buying. Here's the ammo. It says PD right on it. You know, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Wrapping it up, are there any future plans that you guys can share with us? Anything in the works to come out soon? Yeah, I think you'll see, you know, as soon as it came out, we're like, oh, when are you going to do 22 Magnum? And I, I will tell you that you'll probably see something about that really, really soon. But we're not quite ready to fully announce it. But I would keep your eye peeled within the next within uh, within the next couple of months. OK, nice. And then if anybody does want to go on the website, the website is uh, federalpremium.com. Okay. And then also, um, if you guys want to follow Federal Premium on Instagram, it's just at Federal Premium, Facebook, all of that good stuff. All right. So moving forward with the rest of the show, Caldwell. I have really good news. I talked to the guys at Caldwell. I know a lot of you guys were kind of bummed that the coupon code that they gave it was for your only for the first order. Well, now I have good news. It is now moving forward. You can use it on any order. So not just your first order. The coupon code can be used many times. That is GunFunny10 for 10% off. They have all kinds of cool stuff. They have uh, steel targets, the Ear Pro, their new Emax Shadow uh, in-ear. Ear Pro is like really, really nice, especially for... I mean, I shot it indoors, like using it indoors. And typically you have to use like the earmuffs if you're shooting indoors. There's just no way around it. I mean, this ear pro is like definitely the best that I've used. So definitely check all their stuff out and use that coupon code. Like I said, GunFunny10, 10% off. And that is CaldwellShooting.com. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political did you get a chance to watch the state of the union address actually i did not yeah i, was, I didn't uh, even i, didn't I even was bother. putting in a, a, a little extra time at the office and i actually forgot it was on oh <laughs> um, well i don't and I remember you- people talking about you know oh the state of the union and, you know, and honestly it's something i always try to check into you know no matter who's in office yeah i, I normally would and yeah i 
I don't want to say I've checked out on politics, but I, I've uh, I've kind of backed up a little bit. I'm trying not to let it yeah. dominate my thought process 100 of the time as, as at other times in my life. But. Yeah, totally understandable. It's I don't know. I was just like thinking. Actually, I think just yesterday I was talking to somebody, and I think the night you know he uh, President Biden he was like, yeah, gas prices they're not going to go up, and I guess that night overall throughout the U.S. it went up like eight <laughs> percent. Sure. Or no, I'm sorry, not eight percent. That was that would be significant. I think it went up a total of eight cents. Okay. Yeah, but either way, I'm like, it's just he's like, nope. You know, uh, it's so frustrating though to listen to him. As you guys can assume, you know, there's lots of things that he said that were, in my opinion, kind of, you know, sort of lies. He talked on lots of subjects from like his new Supreme Court justice nomination to the environment, refunding the police after all the efforts to, you know, defund them, COVID, international relations. He also renewed his calls for gun control with some of the most obvious untrue myths about firearms. He said, And I will keep doing everything in my power to crack down on gun trafficking and ghost guns you can buy online and make at home. They have no serial numbers and can't be traced, which homemade firearms have been legal to make in America forever, even before the Constitution was even written. He often used the, quote, you couldn't own a cannon argument as well, which, again, is completely false. He went on to ask Congress to pass the, quote, proven measures to reduce gun violence, pass universal background checks, and asked, why should anyone on a terrorist list be able to purchase a weapon, which is kind of funny because his own son is an unlawful drug user and lied on his 4473 form to purchase a gun, which his girlfriend slash sister-in-law threw in the trash outside of school. I talked about that a while back. He also said that he wants to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, repeal the liability shield that makes gun manufacturers the only industry that can't be sued, which is a lie. The PLCAA Act only shields fire manufacturers from frivolous lawsuits for the criminal misuse of their products. So just like you can't sue Ford if a drunk driver gets behind the wheel and kills somebody. Then the claim that banning popular semi-auto firearms, a.k.a. quote-unquote assault weapons, This has been disproved so many times. Even the Department of Justice is on record saying that the assault weapons ban that lasted 10 years had zero effect on reducing violent crimes. His claims on the subject are so easily disproved that even mainstream media were fact-checking him. PolitiFact straight up said that his comments on the PLCAA are false. Even the Washington Post called it misleading. All that said, we know that we'll see more efforts on gun control. We already know that the ATF's currently rewriting their proposed rules on braces and firearms receivers, which amounts to changing law without legislation, which is obviously unconstitutional. We know those new rules will be coming soon and based on the fact that ATF is currently denying massive amounts of applications for Form 1 suppressors, which was currently in the news. The new rules are sure to be extremely overreaching. I would just recommend guys stay on top of things and uh, reach out to your representatives. Moving forward, Manicore Arms. If you have a CZ Scorpion Evo, you definitely need to deck it out Manicore Arms upgrades. The M-Lock Forens are a game changer, giving you a rock-solid foreign to mount your accessories. You can get those in several lengths as well with carry handles. One of the absolute essential upgrades is the enhanced ergonomic Evo safety levers. They've carefully contoured those to be more comfortable. 
And then the switchback charging handle, which lets you give the HK slap and the handle automatically folds out of the way so that it's not sticking out, but it's still easy to grab it in a smooth motion. Check all of those out at manaforums.com. Don't forget to use the code AVARocks15. That's all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off. Today's Q&A is, have you had a chance to shoot the new AP5 yet? I have not. Have you had a chance to get your hands on, well, Center Arms doesn't make it, but they are importing it, but it's the AP5. It's like the MP5 clone. I have not. No. Uh, It's really nice. I actually, I got the pistol version and it comes with a threaded barrel and... I think it's because that one came with a threaded barrel and the other one didn't. So that's why I opted for that one. But I just have to get accessories for it. And I haven't decided yet what accessories I want to put on it. And then I've been traveling and just like with anything else, I'm like, yeah, I just have to like look into like what I want. And then, of course, wait for those products to get here and then install it. But I guess in the meantime, I could just shoot the pistol, but I haven't. It hasn't even seen the range yet and I feel bad for it. (laughs) Today in Tacti Talk... Tacti Talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. I wish I got to see this at SHOT Show, because I would have liked to have held it. It looks really cute. So a new company called We One Tactile, they debuted a brand new AR at SHOT um, this year. And it's a bit different than your normal AR. So it looks almost identical, but it's a junior. In other words, it's 80% of the physical size of a standard AR 15, perfectly sized for kids. And you guessed it chambered in 22 long rifle. The JR 15 incorporates all the standard mechanics of the AR in a scaled down fashion, except of course, everything about it's proprietary because of the size difference, but it all functions the same fashion. And Daniel, do you have any children? I do. Yeah. I have, uh, my son is 13 and my daughter's 16. So they're, oh, so they're a little this, older. Yeah. But when he was younger, he, oh, he would have loved this. this. These things look pretty cool. We haven't had a chance to to shoot them yet, but, uh, yeah, they look pretty slick. We've made rounds specifically for tactical guns. So at CCI, we have what's called tactical, yeah, which is uh copper plated, like a bullet profile, 1200 feet per second. And that was designed to run through like an M and P, you know, specifically through an M and P flawlessly or mm-hmm. at federal, you could try our auto match. I wouldn't see why it wouldn't work out of something like this. Just great too. That's pretty I know. cool. I know. Definitely. Really. The only key difference is there's like a safety selector. So it's almost like a pill bottle. You have to like pull it out and like with some force and then rotate it to the lock position that allows the safety on the left side to operate normally. So, you know, it's just a safety feature. So if like your child's like, no, I want to shoot my gun and, you know, it happens to be loaded or something. But it does ship with one round magazines. But I guess you could also get five, 10 and reportedly 15 round mags. But I do like the idea that it'll only shoot one round at a time. Well, I don't know, actually, because you could always just choose, let's say you got the 15 round magazine and then you chose just to only put one round at a time in it. But I like that. You know, it's like a great training aid. I guess the JR-15, so it has a 7.5 inch barrel with a welded tube to make it legally a rifle. But they're looking at a 16 inch barrel version as well that can also be threaded. They're supposed to start shipping within the next three months. MSRP on this is $400. Of course, California Governor Gavin Newsom got wind of the rifle and, of course, took some offense to the idea. He said that this is vile, a skull and crossbones with a pacifier on a weapon of war, which I'm guessing is maybe their logo made to look cute uh, to appeal to kids. The manufacturer calls this a JR-15 
every NRA-backed politician should condemn this. But I don't think it's bad at all. I don't know. I kind of think, if nothing, I also was thinking, like, even for, like, smaller people. Because sometimes, just, no the 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 geo, I mean, the, the great part about an AR with a telescoping stock is that you can fit it to anybody. And if yeah. you're downsizing it even a little more, you know, there's a reason a lot of us started, you know, I know my son, the first time I took him out, would say when, and let him shoot the AR, he was like, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, whoa, easy buddy, you know? So I do like regulating it to, or at least, you know, feeding one. So if they only have one, then at least they're going to go through, you know, they're going to learn how to eject and learn how to feed and let it, to put yeah. it back through. Exactly. You know, you're, you're, you're training without intentionally training. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm like, I'm sure people just look at it and they're like, oh man, like an AR, like an assault rifle for kids. But it's yeah. just like another rifle. There's literally nothing that's different about it than your the cricket rifle other than, you know, it's lever action. But I mean, it's, it's like black. Yeah. Right. It's just so dumb how, you know, politicians get bent out of shape or certain people. But I like it. And I don't think the price point is bad, you know, $400. I mean, that's like, that's pretty good. It looks, I mean, it looks pretty good, like pretty good quality. Good for them. Moving forward, GSM Outdoors. Most of us tend to neglect our guns and as you said, our magazines. But I would say when you guys do it, make sure that you're using a cleaning mat because if nothing else, it keeps all of those parts together. It prevents mess, especially like the oil, the gun, and not to mention like a lot of the gunpowder and stuff. You don't want that like on your table and then, you know, same like on your dinner table or something like that. Definitely put down a mat. I would recommend Tech Mat. They have all kinds of stuff. They start from $13.99. They have rifle mats for $24.99. They even have doormats that have funny, like, patriotic sayings on them. So definitely check them out at techmat. That's T-E-K-M-A-T dot com. Remember, with any GSM Outdoor brands, you could use the code GUNFUNNY20. That's all one word. And that's going to get you 20% off. Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting. Awesome. As f- Never mind. A-F- Today's AF segment. Have you had a chance to watch the Tinder Swindler on Netflix? No, but I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah, it's just you watch it and you're just like, what? Yeah, and then, like shocking and vile. You know, yeah. the, like you can't turn your eyes away is what I always explained to me. It's just like crazy that there's people out here that would do that to people. But then so one, you're like, oh, it's crazy that he would do this to women. But then I was also watching because I've been sick the last couple of days. And so I've been watching a lot of Netflix. I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I have cabin fever. I need to get out of my house. But I was watching, uh, what was it? Inventing Anna. And it's very similar. So it's this girl who pretends like she's some German heiress. And she ends up like swindling a lot of people out of money as well. But everyone's kind of like in favor for her and likes her. But then when it comes to the Tinder swindler, you know, he's like a jerk. But I'm like, it's pretty much they did the same thing. They you know, screwed <laughs> gotcha. over a lot of people. It's just... We're talking about like different genders. But anyways, I guess the Tinder Swindler, he got conned. If you haven't seen it, it's a Netflix documentary. And apparently he just meets women. Well, not apparently. He meets women on Tinder and he has been known to reportedly scam them out of $10 million. 
recently he was scammed, unfortunately, for not nearly as much, but it's still a small justice that he got scammed after his actions. Simon Hayot or Shimon Hayot, uh, who ran his scams under the name Simon Laviv was scammed out of $6,664 by a woman who DM'd him on Instagram. She, if it actually even was a girl, claimed that her boyfriend worked for Facebook and Instagram's parent company, Meta, and said that her boyfriend could get him and his girlfriend verified on Instagram. So that little blue check mark. Simon agreed to a FaceTime call with the boyfriend who appeared to be busy in the office. Like they set up a fake office space and apparently convinced him enough that he sent two PayPal payments to get him and his girlfriend, their accounts verified. Afterwards, his manager became suspicious and contacted Meta to find out if the employer was real. They weren't. And Meta said they never charge for verification. Anyone who says otherwise is a scammer. The scammer's accounts were, of course, immediately deleted. Simon also deleted his account after the documentary was released. Uh, his troubles don't end there, though. The real Lviv family, a prominent Israeli family, are suing Simon for impersonating a member of their family for the harm of the name and the numerous benefits he received by using their name. It also came out that he was a fugitive in several countries and fled Israel in 2011 after being charged for theft, forgery, and fraud. He was also convicted of defrauding three women in Finland, where he was sentenced to two years. He was caught in Greece in 2019 and sent back to prison in Israel for 15 months, but he got out just after five months on good behavior, which I hated that. I hated that he got out just after five months, but I would imagine now that his name and his face are kind of out in the open that he's going to get more coming to him. All right, iTunes reviews. If you guys haven't left a review, uh, just head on over to the... It's really easy if you have an iPhone. Just search for the iTunes app search for gun funny and then scroll to the bottom and you could leave a review. First review is MJ 051813. Great show. Took my wife's phone because I couldn't leave another review. Great insight. Awesome guests. I never miss an episode. Second is Dippy Dot 2019. Best gun podcast. Great information on anything in the industry. Learn about new products all around. Best podcast I listen to. Daniel, I know this is going to be tough, but I want you to pick a winner out of those two, the first or the second review. I'm going to go to second review. I think you said Dippy Dot, but I, I'm reading Dippy Dip 2019. And I thought that was a pretty sweet name right out the gate. Yep. And you would be correct. It is Dippy, <laughs> Dippy Dip, not Dippy Dot. <laughs> Do you want to read it again? <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I think I have ice cream on my mind, you know, like the, oh no. Yeah, it is the dipping dots, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yep. what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Either way, so dippy dip or dippy dots, you're the winner. Congrats. And now it is time to wrap up. So, guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. Also, if you're interested in winning the Sentry Arms, the BFT 47, so you have to become a Patreon and you have to submit a video saying basically why you would want the AK. And Patreons are already, I think I've gotten like seven videos. They're actually really hilarious. People have gotten really creative with them. In order to become a Patreon, just go to gunfunny.com, click on support the show. And then from there, I will message you guys uh, the details for the video. But it could be really short videos. I think somebody submitted a video that was like, I don't know, maybe a minute long, uh, but still really funny. And, uh, and then the winner will be announced at the end of this month. 
And also, when you're a Patreon blown deadline, he's giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon every month. Also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calmore, and Melissa Ridings. And king of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. Daniel, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with me and talking about Rimfire. I'll have to have you back on and talk about shotgun, like shotgun ammo. I just figured there's just there's so much information about every category of ammo. And I still feel like we didn't even like touch everything that we had to talk about with Rimfire, but it's just fascinating. So Yeah, I hear, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, they're, you know, they're just twenty twos, like when they see the different prices out there. And yeah. when you dive into it. We have almost every bullet style that you have in a 22 long rifle that is available in a center fire configuration. That'll do the same thing, you know, blows up, stays apart, breaks into pieces, whatever. We kind of mimic that. So yeah, you can dive deep just into that, but I'd love to come on again anytime. Okay. Awesome. And then can you just remind people once again, so if they want to go and buy federal ammunition, what is that website again? Uh, you go to federalpremium.com. If you click on the rimfire tab, it'll pop right up. It's one of the, the punch 22 sits right at the top. All right, cool. On that note, we are out of here and I will see you guys next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.